Come in, Caleb. <laughs> I forgot to put my microphone on. My apologies for the media then. We didn't quite get the um, things happening with the words, so very sorry about that. We couldn't actually get that right. So, a great songs. Uh, we will get it right next time. So, my apologies for that. I'll just have to um, get myself dressed here for a second. I just turned it off so I wouldn't brush through the jacket and everything else. It was great to actually uh, shift Caleb and Emily um, yesterday. I was just uh, thinking how we did it in about two or three hours as we spoke. Um, When I first was married to Laurel, I think I shifted about one and a half ute loads. Righto. We'll try again. When I first shifted, it was about one and a half ute loads, and we shifted about five years later, it was about probably half a dozen ute and trailer loads, and I think if I had to shift now, it would probably be three semi-trailer loads, actually, if I had to do it now. It's amazing what you accumulate as the years go on, and things just sort of add up and stack up, and think, whoa, where is all this stuff coming from? So, good Caleb Emily, it was quick, but I mean, I think the next one might be a fraction longer by the time we get to that, but those guys are really blessed, and we're glad they're able to get into their house, and... um, established their family there in Rupna, so fantastic to uh, be part of that yesterday. Okay, I'm not sure if I've got any war movie buffs here. Anybody sort of like war movies? You can quietly put your hand, there's a couple of hands going up, yeah, there's a few sort of hunters around here. Um, I was watching this war movie quite a few years back, and uh, there's a scene where the, um, they go out on, on patrol, and this patrol goes out on the battlefront and they, uh, they're doing their normal thing. And all's going well as they just do this sort of routine and regular patrol. All's going well until they come across enemy fire, which is uh, unfortunately what happens in the, in the theatre of war. Uh, enemy fire came. The captain kept them in order to keep calm and peace as they were sort of all of a sudden under a hail of bullets and he was beginning to plan their escape. That was until the captain was gunned down uh, by a, uh, a bullet and he was taken out. That all of a sudden amongst that platoon, the, the fear began to set in. Our, our leader has gone. The panic was beginning to come amongst these guys as we've lost our leader. We've lost the one who's guarded us, who's guided us and taught us all we know as far as being in the theatre of war. All of a sudden fear and panic begin to set in and they're thinking, how on the earth are we going to get out of this? Suddenly they felt uh, incredibly isolated and vulnerable as they were sort of caught amongst enemy fire and trying to deal with that particular time. Well, today we're going to encounter the disciples of Jesus just beginning to feel something similar to that as those soldiers felt when they were caught with enemy fire and they had lost their leader. Today uh, Jesus is going in the sense of this is where he's talking about with his disciples and they're beginning to feel afraid about uh, what the future may hold for them. So let's uh, pick that up here in John 14, and we'll read from uh, uh, verse 15 through to 31. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now that I've told you before it takes place, so that even when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Well, thank you today as we just have this opportunity again to uh, come around your word and I just ask and pray now uh, the Lord you would bring this word alive in our hearts as we see here perhaps some confusion in the hearts and the minds of these, of these disciples as they take in the, the enormity of this occasion. Uh, Lord, perhaps there's just much they do not know and with that, Lord, comes uncertainty. But Father, we thank you here for the promises that Jesus makes that, Lord, he will not leave them as orphans. He will not leave them alone. But he will ask the Father... For the Holy Spirit to come and we pray today that Holy Spirit, uh, that same Spirit that Jesus is talking about there, that you would come and uh, you would bring us understanding of this word and we pray that you would help us to uh, build our faith upon the truth and the promise that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us. Uh, we ask this now for the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Jesus is continuing here his final teachings and sort of his talk to the disciples It's the upper room and it's only hours before Jesus will be cruelly crucified uh, the following day. Judas the betrayer has now left the group to go and hand him over to the religious authorities. He's uh, left and gone out and he's gone to organise under the authority of the high priest a guard that will come and arrest Christ and uh, bring him to trial before the high priests. Uh, Despite all this, Jesus is fully in control totally in control of what's taking place here. But at the same time, I believe, this, I believe this will be a tense time for Jesus. Very tense time for him. Jesus knows the stakes are really, really high. Jesus knows he's about to die. Jesus knows this is the, as it were, the culmination of his mission in coming to the earth. And there's no doubt that Satan is also working overtime in firing all the temptation that he can muster towards Jesus to try him, try him, as it were, take him off the course, the course of Calvary and the course of the cross. The disciples, I believe, also are feeling vulnerable. There's a feeling of perhaps insecurity and isolation with them beginning to come into their own lives at this particular time. Why would they be feeling like this? Perhaps why would they be maybe having these thoughts or having these feelings? Let's, perhaps let's think about them for a moment. Let's sort of see where they've come from 
and see what's happening right now that might perhaps begin to uh, give some understanding why these feelings are this way. Up until this upper room meal, the disciples have been enjoying the presence of the Son of God. That's who they've been with for this last three years of Jesus' ministry here on the earth. They may not have recognised him completely as such, as the Son of God, but they have certainly seen and partaken in this incredible ministry, supernatural ministry that Jesus has done. Countless miraculous things that he's performed before them, showing him that he truly is God. And no doubt amongst the disciples and also amongst the community where Jesus is, there's probably been much talk about Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one from God, the one sent from God to come and to rescue them. And for their particular context back then, they're thinking, this is fantastic. We think this is the Messiah, the one who will relieve us from the Roman oppression in the land of Palestine. And we will again become a world superpower or an ascendancy amongst all the earth. They would be thinking very much that Jesus is the Messiah. With all this talk and expectation also seeing Jesus perform mightily, they would put that alongside the Old Testament scriptures and begin to see, hang on, he's fulfilling these scriptures. He's sort of taken these places here. That also would begin to build within them, uh, again, a, an air of confidence and an excitement that this Jesus really is the one who will be ushering in a new kingdom that will reign over all the earth. I can imagine these thoughts going through the disciples and the other community around about them at the time. These guys leading up to this meal would be quite positive about who Jesus is and what the future would be as they think about him as God's anointed one. But if we think also that what have these guys been going through perhaps just in the last few hours in right in this meal? Jesus has been speaking here about his departure. He's been speaking about his death imminently coming upon them. Jesus is telling his disciples that where I'm going, you cannot come. There's a sense that Jesus is going somewhere, but you guys can't follow me where I'm going. Peter says, and when he hears Jesus saying these things, he says, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. Even if I've got to die, Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus, who's speaking to Peter, who's probably the strongest of all those disciples at that particular time, so he would be seen as a leader amongst that group. Jesus responds to Peter and says, Peter, you won't be laying down your life for me. As much as you think you can follow me and you will lay down your life for me, you won't lay down your life for me. Actually, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tonight. You, as the strongest or one of the strongest disciples, you will fall away. You will lose your confidence in me. So I can begin to imagine here, with some of the background leading up, would be seemingly quite positive, but also all of a sudden hearing what Jesus is talking about over these last few hours would begin to destabilise them somewhat. We sort of thought Peter was our strongest guy. He was our number one ticket holder. But Jesus is telling us that you're going to deny him three times before the rooster crows tonight. I'm thinking there's probably a bit of a mind shift now with these, these disciples as they gather around Jesus. I can imagine perhaps a level of vulnerability beginning to set in. They would feel like the foundations of their confidence is perhaps starting to crack beneath them. Maybe they're starting to look at each other across the room a little bit differently than before. Perhaps there's a bit of an anxious look now. Hang on, Peter's going to deny. We can't follow where he's going. What's going on here, guys? I can imagine a bit of anxiety perhaps coming into him at this point. And Jesus addresses this in the very first verse here, of chapter 14, and he says this, 
Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So this is exactly where the disciples are. They are feeling disheartened. Their hearts are troubled. They're unsure of what the future holds. They're perhaps beginning to feel very isolated or vulnerable and exposed. Jesus knows that. But Jesus has really, really good news for them at this time. Jesus says, hey guys, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you without any help at all when I'm gone. And this is what Jesus essentially talks about here in these in sort of verses 15 to 31. Jesus lets them know that he will ask the Father, God the Father, to send the Holy Spirit to come and to dwell with them and to be with them. So let's have a look now as we just go through some of these verses to see what Jesus says here about this Holy Spirit that is going to come and dwell with the disciples and not only with them but all believers for all time going into the future. Jesus knows how these guys are coping at the moment. He says there in verse 18 this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus will be asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit to be with the disciples. And he says that in verse 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. To be with you forever. It's here where Jesus begins to introduce to the disciples as the believers here, continuing in life, that they will have the Holy Spirit as the helper to come and to help them when he is gone. As a follower of Christ, they will not be left alone. They will have a helper. And the word helper here is a very interesting word. Not only is it a direct reference to the God, the Holy Spirit, but it's, it's a word that's not often used um, in the New Testament. And the word there can also be translated, depending on what Bibles you have. I'm reading from the, from the ASV. It can be translated advocate, comforter, counsellor and encourager. It also has this meaning here as the helper... Um, as one who falls down. Now, I'm not thinking of me if I try to do a dance or something and my two left feet make me stumble and fall over. That's not the idea here of this one who falls down, someone who's clumsy on their feet. As I looked at this idea of one who falls down, because that's what the word can mean also, as one who falls down, it was in the sense of one who is willing to fall down with us when we have already fallen down to pick us up and to comfort us and to help us. So if we are wounded and fallen down in the trenches of life and all of its difficulties and challenges that come our way, the Holy Spirit will fall down with us, as it were, to comfort us, to encourage us, to strengthen us and to uplift us. This is a precious promise, a glorious promise that Jesus is giving to these guys right in their position here of vulnerability, perhaps isolation and fear and even anxiety perhaps for these guys. And on top of this, on top of this, this supernatural hope, it won't be a come again, go again scenario. It won't sort of come and just go. It won't be just happening like this. Jesus says here, it's coming to be with you forever. Verse 16 says that. It says right there, he will be with you forever. Not a passing phase of your life. Not only on Sundays, but he'll be there Monday through to Saturday as well. I nearly lost a day of the week then. All days, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. This is an incredibly powerful promise for these weak disciples at this time, right where they're at. For as long as they are on this earth, and no matter where they are and what they are doing, the Holy Spirit will be with them forever. It gets better though. Jesus takes it further. Verse 17, he says this, Even the Spirit of truth, 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Will be in you. The Holy Spirit will be in them as individuals. As individual followers of Christ, committing their life to him, the Holy Spirit will dwell within them. Now, all that Jesus could do while he was here on this earth was limited in many respects. He was limited by the human body that he was in. Jesus couldn't be in multiple places at the same time. Jesus couldn't be with Peter in Jerusalem while John was, say, at Capernaum. They're just two places separated by distance. Jesus couldn't be in either of those places. There's a price that Christ paid to come and rescue us and redeem us to live inside a human body. So if the disciples were in different locations... It was just bad luck. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. But not so with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is saying about dwelling within them. The same Spirit that dwelt in Jesus Christ would now dwell in these disciples, in these believers, in these followers of Jesus. The Spirit would come as the helper or the comforter and encourager for all of life and especially in their times of need. The Holy Spirit would dwell within them. Also, the Holy Spirit is a teacher. Jesus would help us to see as well as we think about this ongoing support, comfort and help beyond when Jesus leaves. John 14, 25, 26. These things I've spoken to you that while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This will be critically important for the disciples in going on down the track as they uh, face this world without Jesus. Jesus is actually about to charge them to carry on his work into all the world to make disciples, teaching them all that he's commanded for them. If you go to Matthew 18, you'll, uh, sorry, Matthew 28, 18 and 20, you'll see that the Great Commission, Jesus gives this Great Commission to charge them, go into all the world, make disciples, teaching them all that I have commanded you to teach. So I would think, as those guys are thinking about this down the track, it would be no surprise to me at this particular time when they're in this upper room if they're not feeling also a bit mentally weak as well, given that Jesus is moving on. Not only are they losing their leader, but they're losing their teacher that they've had for the last three years, who's taught them many, many things. These guys aren't university graduates, if you look at some of the backgrounds of some of these fellows. Um, Perhaps their mental powers aren't the sharpest. So they're probably thinking, whoa, how are we going to even remember all that Jesus has taught us over these last three or so years? How are we going to try and recall it all? Well, here it is, Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit. He will come and he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have taught you, all that I have told you. All of his parables. I mean, who, who knows how much they've witnessed over that three years. We've got portions here in the Gospels, here are the parables, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we have the talks in the temple. We have numbers of things where Jesus has done uh, large uh, amounts of talk. And perhaps there's much other we haven't got recorded here in the Bibles as well. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and bring all this back to their remembrance and deepen their understanding of it as well. And not only that, the Holy Spirit down the track will inspire some of these guys, some of these disciples, to record more of the truth of God for us, as we see there uh, through some of the books 
in the later part of the New Testament. The Holy Spirit will do this work of not only bringing back to their mind what Jesus has taught them over these years, but actually to inspire them to write new scripture. Just a note here, though, on this work of the Holy Spirit in inspiring scripture is this. Sometimes we can get this confused and think, is is there still new fresh scripture? Is there still new fresh words of God today? There is no new fresh scripture. There's no new authority of God's word today. There's no new fresh infallible scripture. The Holy Spirit has done that work back then through um, the disciples and through the apostles for what we have today. If anybody comes to you and say, hey, I've got a fresh word from God with authority, with authority, with that tagline on it, Don't accept it because there is no new, fresh, authoritative word from God. Yes, God will impress things upon our hearts and our minds, but there's nothing there with authority to say this is from God. But the Holy Spirit will do what he's done for the disciples here to bring back to remembrance for them all that Jesus has taught them. And not only that, to probably also send them deeper with deeper understanding of what Jesus has said back then so they get a deeper grasp of it. And this will be a vital, vital work for the Holy Spirit to carry out in his capacity, as it were, to fall down beside these guys in their times of weakness to bring back the truth of who Jesus is and to bring that back to strengthen them and and enable them to stand up once again. This will be a work to strengthen their minds when they're under all sorts of attack. And through that truth, through that remembrance, they will be able to stand strong and face the challenges that uh, will come their way. It's amazing, I think, how often they would reflect upon that, how the Holy Spirit would come back to them time and time again to bring back to memory what Jesus has said. I could imagine it would be like this truth that would be sort of bolted down into their minds, would become a strong foundation for them to stand on when they come through fear and doubt. Jesus said this to them here in uh, Matthew 10, 17 and 20, he said, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in the synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious for how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. I can imagine them down the track thinking, this is amazing, this is exactly what Jesus said would take place. And now he spent the, sent the Spirit to actually enable us in those times of, uh, I don't know what to say, that you know, God's Spirit will come in and give them the words to say at that particular time. This will be the work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is now sending, calling for, to aid these disciples when he's gone. There's another assurance that Jesus gives them also about the Holy Spirit, which I think is life-building as well, as these disciples perhaps suffer here with fear and weakness at this time. The Spirit of God will bring peace. Verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, but let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace. Peace is a glorious thing. A glorious thing. When you or I are at peace with the people around about us, it's really a life-energising space to be in. When there's friction, when there's tension, when there's sort of um, turmoil, and it's not peaceful, it's really difficult. It's hard to think straight, it's hard to actually carry on life as it is because this brings this tension and this friction into our minds. Peace 
It's an incredible thing. It just, it's just amazing how life flows so much easier when peace is in our hearts and our minds. With peace comes contentment and stability. I can imagine these disciples right now probably haven't got that deep sense of peace as they're hearing Jesus talk about going and Peter's going to deny him all these things are happening. And also into the future, they will face many times of confusion and uncertainty about life. There will be times when these disciples, as they carry out the Great Commission, going into all the world to preach the gospel, they will go to communities who've turned against them, who refuse to want to hear the message about Jesus, and there'll be no peace for them at that time. It's here as they try and live out the gospel and share the gospel, perhaps into hostile communities, where peace is the last thing on the community people's mind, but it'll be a peace that God's Spirit will bring to those disciples as they face those hostilities. Certainly for those early days, those early days of the early Christians, that was one of the most difficult things they faced was the aggressive reactions they did get from the Jewish community as they spoke about Jesus being the Messiah. In those scenarios, as they spoke about Christ, very often the first thing that happened was you were kicked out of the local synagogue, which is the local community hub. There'd be no peace for them at that particular time. And it might go further. They might be um, kicked out of families because they've actually followed this other foreign crazy religion, this Jesus of Nazareth. It'll be very difficult in a worldly sense to have peace there. But that's what they found. They found this profound peace right in the middle of trouble and turmoil that God's Spirit would bring into their lives. I can imagine them going to some places getting these adverse reactions, getting this sort of hostility coming towards them, and they would be confused. I thought I was bringing a message of peace. I'm actually telling them exactly what Jesus told me to tell them, and I'm trying to do it in the best possible way, and I'm just not getting this right reaction. Am I doing the right thing here? I think it's right there and then that the Holy Spirit would come, and to be that one who falls down alongside them when they're feeling down and feeling confused, And say, yes, you are in the will of God. Remember what Jesus said, that sometimes they will reject what I have to say. And you will just be no different as you go out. Some people will reject it. And that will be the peace that the Holy Spirit will bring out those particular times. And it's not a worldly peace that Jesus mentions there. A worldly peace is one that is really based on circumstances. So while circumstances are good, I do feel peaceful. Everything's sort of going in the right direction and I feel this peace. But it's a fleeting peace because our circumstances are fleeting. They're always changing. Sometimes they can change from minute to minute or hour to hour. It's amazing how quickly our circumstances can change. And in that sense, this worldly peace, a peace that the world gives, is a changing dynamic peace. It'll very quickly evaporate. But that's not the peace here that the Holy Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit brings this profound, deep peace despite our circumstances. Sure, our circumstances will have an effect upon us in some way, but the Holy Spirit brings, as it were, an anchor to our soul that keeps us steadfast with peace despite those circumstances that are around about us. So we find here in John 14, with Jesus facing death within hours, promising a helper to his weak and his fearful disciples. This helper will take the place of Jesus. He will be all that Jesus was to them. This will be a glorious promise. They don't know it in totality at this point in time, but this is a promise they can begin to think on. 
This is a promise that will be life-building and life-sustaining for them, particularly as they see that worked about 40 days later with the coming of, on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit does come upon all believers. That promise, though, is not only for those believers back then, not only for those disciples 2,000 years ago. That same promise that Jesus talks about then is the same promise that applies to us today here at Exchange Church and here to any other Christian church in the greater Shepparton area. The same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus and went on to fill those disciples is the same Holy Spirit that takes up residence within us today. Today. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? We are partakers of that very same Spirit that filled Jesus and filled those disciples. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. At conversion, when we commit ourselves to Christ and place our trust in his death and his resurrection in our place for the forgiveness of our sins, at that point of conversion, the Holy Spirit comes and moves into our life. It's the empowering presence of God that moves into our mind and our will and our emotions. That's where he inhabits our life, the very core, the very centre of our being. The Holy Spirit comes in there and begins to influence us and to lead us towards Christ and to lead us away from sinful lives. As this happens, we also need to see that in many respects we are no different to the disciples of back 2,000 years ago that Jesus spent that one-on-one time with. In weakness, we're no different to them. We experience the same things that they do. We experience probably the same types of trouble or turmoil or challenge that would come through our mind. And we have to see that in our own strength, as Christians in this world... Without the Holy Spirit, we will be steamrolled by doubt and confusion, just like those disciples were beginning to perhaps feel that in that upper room 2,000 years ago. If the Holy Spirit was to leave us uh, at all, we would be as left as weak as a kitten, as it were, to try and face this world that we live in. If we had to face peer group pressure without the Holy Spirit, we would buckle at the knees and not be able to stand up. This is the power that God gives us. When Satan pours his lies and his mockery into our lives, without the Holy Spirit there with us to strengthen us, to fall down alongside us and to pick us up and lift us up, we would probably shrivel up into the fetal position there and be just totally overrun by Satan. This is God's empowering presence that he gives to us to be able to resist the enemy and to resist our sinful hearts and to resist the sin that we come across in this world. Sometimes I think we forget about what God has done for us in giving us this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit and his absolute 24-7 work within our lives. We so easily forget what it is and we try and do things on our own strength. We try and make our own way through this world and just doing our own way and, and then wonder why we keep tripping over or feel weak. Sometimes I think we forget about what God has given to us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think it's incredibly important for us that we do bring our minds back to say, this is exactly what you have done for us, God. You've given us this gift of your spirit living within us to help us to grow in Christ. And we need to think about this blessing that you have done for us, Lord, that I'm not alone. The spirit dwells within me. Here it is. Do we want to be in tune with the spirit of God? Do we want to know the will of God for our lives? 
Do we want to be strengthened and stand strong in this world? Do we want our character to be fashioned into the image of Christ, the one who's gone before us? Do we want to enjoy a sweet relationship with Jesus, our great God, our King and our Saviour? Are these the things that we want? Are these the things that we aspire to? Well, if that's the case, we must place ourselves in the very same position that the disciples did. They would have been longing to remember all that Jesus taught and told them. To recall back those conversations, to recall back those words, to recall back that truth that Jesus spoke that just seemed to cut through all the lies that they were hearing at the time. They'd be longing to recall that again, to just sort of think on that and let that build strength into their lives. That's exactly what the disciples would do. Well, we are no different to them. We're no different to them. We also need to hear the truth from Jesus so that our lives will be set free from the lies that we hear in this world as well. We need to hear all that Jesus has got to say to us. We need to hear the truth from Jesus so our lives will live in harmony with him, so we will enjoy this sweet relationship with him, a relationship that is marked by joy and freedom and liberty that the world cannot offer. We need to place ourselves in the same position that these disciples did. So what do we do to foster and grow this relationship with Jesus in the Holy Spirit? How do we place ourselves in this position? How do we enjoy this um, relationship with Jesus? Well, we do exactly what the Holy Spirit has done with the disciples 2,000 years ago. We take the primary tool that the Holy Spirit uses to strengthen us and to grow us and to draw us close to Christ. We take the Bible. We take God's Word. We take this other precious gift that's been given to us. Because it's here we discover all that Jesus taught. It's here we discover all that Jesus has said. It's here we discover all that he continued to say say through the apostles after he had gone. We take God's word and we use it to grow ourselves in Christ and the Holy Spirit works with that word. There's this essential link that is unbreakable. It's inseparable. It's like a hand-in-glove relationship. It's God's word working with God's spirit to grow us and to strengthen us and to deepen us in a relationship of joy and a relationship that is vibrant and a relationship that is personal with Christ. We take his word and we take the spirit that works in that word and we feed upon the Bible and it grows us and it deepens us and it strengthens us. We need it just like we need Uh, food and water every day and even more so than that we will face confusing situations in life people will seemingly give us very plausible arguments about their point of view or about how they're doing life it could be people who live next door to me you know they are really lovely people they go off to their place of worship each week and they're against violence and they do such a good job of raising their children. You should see the way they raise their kids. They do a fantastic job of doing that every week. And they meet with the rest of their community each week and they care for each other in so many practical ways. And they're not harming anybody and they don't try and cause any disturbance anywhere. Look, they don't acknowledge Jesus as God, but they do say he's a very good person. He's got a lot of good things to teach us. Jesus is a really good person, but he's not God. Sometimes we can live alongside these people and we can get lulled into a false sense of where things are at. 
It can be very plausible because they're great neighbours and everything's going well. But what do they believe about Jesus? Here's where the Holy Spirit takes God's word and begins to uh, draw it deep down to ourselves and say, yes, they may be very lovely people, they may be great people, but unless they're trusting in Christ, they will not uh, find forgiveness of their sins. This is what the Holy Spirit takes. It takes that word and gives us discernment and wisdom through those challenging times when things look okay, but as we actually uh, go a little bit deeper, we've realised they're not as okay as they appear to be. The Spirit does this for us today so that we can stand strong. No matter what we're going to face, no matter what we'll go through. And today we need to recognise that this is exactly what God is doing through his Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is the precious promise that Jesus has now given to his disciples. And we can take part in that very same promise. We need to be thankful for God's Spirit that falls down with us. It doesn't leave us down deep in a muddy old hole. The Spirit, as it were, falls down with us and meets us right where we're at and uh, brings us back out of the holes of life and brings us back out of the trenches of life's circumstances. Jesus hasn't left us alone. He will not leave us as orphans. The Spirit of Christ is right with us now, helping, enabling and encouraging us. Guys, today we've got to think about that promise. We've got to think about what God has miraculously and marvellously done for us in giving us his own spirit to dwell within us to be God's empowering presence. Let's pray. Father, we uh, give you thanks and praise today for this uh, amazing promise that Jesus has given to those disciples and not only to those disciples but us today. That, Lord, you are living inside of us. For those who are putting their trust in Christ and turned away from sin, God, your spirit lives within us. You don't leave us, you don't forsake us. You're the one who falls down alongside of us when we have fallen down in this world. You're the one who leads us, guides us, helps us. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you today that you uh, dwell in our mind, in our will, in our emotions. We thank you that you put up with us. I know what it's like to put up with me, Lord. A very slow learner at times, very stubborn at times, but you are continually there, guiding, leading, helping, supporting. Lord, today I pray that you would help each and every one of us here who's a follower of Christ, that we would place ourselves in that position where we could see your work, Holy Spirit, grow in our hearts and our lives. That we just, as you've told those disciples back then, the Spirit would come and remind them all that you have taught them today, Lord, that we would feed ourselves upon the truth of what you've said so the Spirit can bring that word alive in our hearts and continue this transformation process within us. Help us to heed and listen to the voice of your Spirit speaking in our hearts and in our minds and through our conscience, allowing that word to become living and active within us. Please, Lord, help us to see what a gift you've given to us today. Help us to have grateful, thankful hearts, Lord, knowing that we can do nothing without your spirit living and dwelling within us. Nothing. Father, thank you for this great gift. Thank you for this blessing we have in the Holy Spirit. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Any questions or thoughts?
um, from that chapter or what we just said? Dan. How do we get the Holy Spirit? Okay, we get the Holy Spirit um, at conversion. Jesus, remember back in John 3, he was with Nicodemus. And um, he spoke about the way someone is born again. And he actually said it's a, a mysterious thing that takes place that we cannot understand. He talks about, you know, you don't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. As it is the same with the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural, miraculous yet totally mysterious work that God does that um, John Newton probably reflects it in his hymn Amazing Grace. Uh, Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. We don't, as it were, see the Holy Spirit come into a room and sort of just place himself on top of somebody and go in. Um, But we do see is the effects of the Holy Spirit living within somebody. So to receive the Spirit, we uh, become a follower of Christ in uh, turning from our sin and putting our faith and trust in what Jesus has done for us. Good question, great question. Okay, thanks. We're going to have the um, team come back up and uh, lead us through for a song and then after that we're going to go um, into our special general meeting so you don't have to travel anywhere else or go anywhere else. You can just um, stay here and that will be really great. So we'll just sing one song and then we'll, uh, we'll come straight back up. Thank you. Right, I don't know what song to sing, so I'm going to put it to a vote. First song is Unstoppable God, second song is You Have Won. Hands up for first song. Hands up for second song. That was so underwhelming, but there was a few hands for one. Okay. Unstoppable God. <laughs> 